This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Last week, we concluded our study in the book of Jonah, and each week we were reminded of something. And you might recall, in fact, I wore a t-shirt each week. Mary's wearing the t-shirt. Pastor Tyler's wearing the t-shirt. And what it says is, life is mission. Can we say that together? Life is mission. And, and hold up your worship guide. Everybody hold up their worship guide. All right, now I want you to look in the front of the worship guide at Community Covenant Church. Our mission is, can we say that together? At Community Covenant Church, our mission is to bring Christ's hope, His healing, and His wholeness to our community and to our world. Now, you know what? If we're going to bring hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world, it has to start right here. And, and you know what's important? that every single one of us recognize and understand our value, who we are, who God created us to be. In fact, you may not be aware of this, but our speaker today is leading a revolution. It's called the Dignity Revolution. And his ministry is international, but these next two weeks, he's already almost a week in, It's all throughout Alaska, bringing the message of God's hope, healing, and wholeness. And so when the opportunity came to have Bob Lentz come and share with you, I said, thank you, Lord. Here is a voice that reinforces our mission. Here is a voice that's all about that message of hope, healing, and wholeness. Bob? We are so grateful to have you. Let's welcome Bob Lentz this morning. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate it. Um, um, I I have to start by saying um, any church that has a mystery box, how awesome was that? And then you you didn't know what was in there. And you went that quick with Rin Tin Tin, Lassie, Flipper. But I couldn't believe you didn't say Gentle Ben then. Come on, come on! So, uh, no, that was that was fantastic, and uh, um, I just have to. Well, let, let's start with another word of prayer, okay? Father God, thank you, Lord, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. Um, your presence is here. Your spirit is here. Your purpose is here. Your love is here. Your heart is here. Refresh us. For our mission is every day as a parent, as a husband, as a wife, as a teacher, as whatever we're doing, we are on mission. And I just pray that we would live that every single day, uh, first receiving from you so we have something to give back. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. They did that. Where's Regan? They did that on the retreat. Yeah, remember that? And I missed it every time. But it, it, it's really good. It feels like home here. I mean, just honestly, we've been in the bush all week already, and we're going back out today. We'll be in Port Ellsworth uh, tonight and doing a service there tonight. 
But just to come in and be welcome and have a prayer time. I don't know if you know this, but you have people that pray before every service in the prayer time. And it's just so good to be here, the welcome and the, the warmth and the worship. I mean, as you're giving out, I don't know about you, but you probably come on a Sunday just going, ah, because you're on mission all week and you're giving out and there's things to do. So I just want to say it's been great to be here because to be in a place where there's worship and you're receiving and just the joy of the Lord that's in this place, because a lot of times that's not what I see and that's not the stories that I hear. I hear more stories like little Scotty. He was 10 years old. Um, That's fifth grade, so some of those fifth graders stayed in. Some of them went out this morning. But Scotty's family was having a family gathering. And so he got to invite some friends and neighbors coming and some relatives were coming. But Scotty was a little nervous, he said, because he said, I'm always nervous to have friends over because, you see, my dad's an alcoholic. And he's a really nice guy until he has one too many. And because of that, you kind of walk in eggshells. And they're telling me that one out of five students today are growing up in a home where alcohol is a problem in the family. One out of five. He said, but the day was going pretty good, and Dad was being a really good guy like he normally is when he's not drinking. But sure enough, he had one too many. And he started slurring his words, and he stood up and he stumbled a little bit. And in the middle of the party, he walked over to the coffee table and grabbed a peanut out of the dish and stopped the whole party and said, See this? See this peanut? This is the size of my son Scotty's brain. And he popped it in his mouth. Can you feel that? Can you feel that embarrassment? Can you feel that pain, that humiliation? And I said, what'd you do? Did you, did you yell back? Did you cry? Did you run? He goes, no, Bob, you don't understand. If you say anything in our family, it'll only get worse. So guess what he did with all that pain? Guess what he did with all that humiliation? He just pushed it down. But counselors will tell us what? You push pain down, what's going to come out later? Anger, anger, rage. And if that's in fifth grade, 10 years old, What's he going to be like in middle school? Is he going to be the next bully on the, on the playground? Is he going to be the one like in high school that turns to drugs or alcohol to numb the pain that's inside? Or is he going to turn to self-harm? Or is he going to become one of the statistics? We're 1,800 teenagers a day in America, the land of the free. 1,800 a day attempt suicide. 18 a day are completing suicide. Or is it going to be another school shooting that we have to see again on TV? And so let me tell you, that's why we're talking about the Dignity Revolution. And that's why the last book that I wrote is Dignity Revolution. Now, for Regan and people that know me, I mean, it's wild. There's people here that I've been with in Barrow. And and where's Heather from No Exit? These are places we've went before. I just want them to know, people who know me, my publisher made me put my face on this. Some of you that don't even know me don't believe me. No, that's true. This is actually about my special needs sister, Lois, and the dignity of every single person. And we teamed up with Life Touch, who takes pictures in schools. And Life Touch gave us a donation. And this book has been distributed in 30,000 public schools across the U.S. And what's cool about it is even though it doesn't say Jesus, you can take the Dignity Pledge And the Dignity Pledge is the fruits of the Spirit. So in here, it says that the answer is love. And it says, back in the first century, there was a place called Corinth. And they did this thing called love is. 
and the answer is love, but it's written with the teacher of the year given to all these schools. Now, I, this is, you don't know me, but I'm going to ask you to buy the book today. Why? Because my kids need a new car. No, no. As a pastor, I love capitalism. I really do. I think it's the best out there. But you know what? My wife and I believe in this so much, we decided we're not taking one penny from any of the books. We're giving it back to go and fight this hatred that's in our country right now, to give it back to public school assembly programs. So I would ask you to get one, but this one's for you. But let me tell you this. I didn't think I needed any more passion for this dignity, this message. Matter of fact, I've been up in Alaska so much, we come in about two weeks' times. We added it up. I have now lived in Alaska for over nine months. So next year I'm going to get sustenance. <laughs> I'm taking moose home. <laughs> but let me tell you, I, I love it, but I didn't think I needed any more passion. But last May, I got a call from my daughter, and she said, Daddy, would you pray? The police just called. And they asked Isaiah, her husband, to go and pick up her brother's kids who are young at the police station. And said, Daddy, just please pray. When I got a call back a half hour later, I never expected the call because she said, Dad, Isaiah's brother, John, and his daughter, Olivia were shot and killed today in a little town of Wisconsin after church going to feed the ducks, walking on a little bridge. They were shot. Here, here they are. Here's pictures of them. This is John and Olivia. She was only 11 years old. He was only 32. Um, Aaron, the mom, was trying to get the kids off the bridge when it started. John was shot seven times, and the last thing people heard him say is that he forgave in the midst of all that hatred, he forgave that shooter. And his wife, here's, here's a picture of his wife, Aaron. Aaron was shot three times trying to get the kids off. And little Ezra and Selah went and found the police to get him to come back. When this happened, I made a new commitment that said, I will run as hard as I can for as long as I can and tell every person that every life matters and that every person has value. Matter of fact, while I'm up here, my daughter had a, our, our ninth grandchild. Um, I won't get to meet her until next Monday, uh, a week from Monday when I get back. Her name is Kinsley Olivia, named after the girl you just saw. Um, we... I'm sorry, it's still, it's one thing to see it on the news. It's another thing when it affects your family. And so I said, I will go into as many public schools. <clears throat> we'll be in over 120 schools this year. And we share, share values during the day, and we invite them back at night to share the gospel at night and have thousands every year come to Christ. But when I'm in the public schools and I'm talking about dignity, people say, but Bob, if you can't talk about Jesus in the school, isn't that secular humanism? Talking about dignity of people without Jesus? And I'm like, no. Did you know that dignity itself comes from the Bible? So what I want to talk about today is biblical dignity. Where we get dignity from, it's from the Bible. How many still believe this is God's word? 
Amen? This is still God's Word. So let's start. Watch this. Let's start right in the beginning. The first verse of the whole Bible. Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning, God. We're right now, did you know this is a real picture of our universe? Like, I don't know, if I was God, doesn't that look like an eye to you? I'm sorry, I wonder if God just went, <laughs> I'm watching you. <laughs> I, I just wonder. But in the beginning, God, say the word with me. Created. I believe in creation. Now, I believe in creation. Why? Because of the Bible. The Bible says so, I believe it. But not just because of the Bible. Now, I'm not the most intelligent preacher you'll ever hear. I'm not even in the top ten, okay? But, but I, I'm not the most intelligent man. But I believe in creation, not just because of the Bible. Can I tell you why I believe in creation also? Right here. Barney. <clears throat> no. For real, when my son was young, I bought him a puzzle that is character Barney the purple dinosaur, and it had 50 pieces in it. Guess what? You took those 50 pieces, put them in that box, shake it up. No matter what mathematical equation you use, those 50 pieces will never come down together. I tried it. And if 50 pieces can't come down by chance, then how do you explain the DNA of just one person? People need to know they're not an accident. You've been created with a purpose and a plan by a loving creator. But every time I tell an audience that, they say, no, I'm an accident. I'm like, no, there's no, no, my parents told me. They weren't going to have any more kids, and then look who's in the oven. No, when life takes place, it's not an accident. So creation, I believe in creation. Now, let's just run through because of time. Let's go quick. But if God is the creator, that means he's the artist. And as we use canvas, he uses the space. Space was his, his canvas. And let's just go through the days real quick. Day one, he created light and darkness and said it is good. Day two, he separated the water from the sky. See, I'm not intelligent enough, but I guess the water and the sky were getting in each other's business. And they had to be separated, all right? Day three, he had to separate the land from the sea. Now we know who the culprit was. It was the water. First, who's getting in the sky's problem? Now we had to be put in his place. Get over there. But then it says this, he created vegetation, and I want you to get this term, according to its own kind. So he created vegetation according to its own kind. Okay, now keep that. Day four, he made the sun and the moon. Todd, I thought he made light on day one. But it wasn't the sun. Explain it later. Okay. On day, day four, sun and the moon. Day five, he made the birds of the air according to their own. He made the fish of the sea according to their own. Kind. And then he made all the animals, beasts, wild animals, according to their own. Kind. Then he made the creepy, crawly things. Why? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, he's God. Spiders? Okay. But he made them according to their own kind. Do you see a pattern here? According to their own. Come on, help me. According to their own. According to their own kind. Everything was according to their own kind. But all of a sudden, Genesis one twenty six, bam, everything was different. Then he said, let us make mankind in our own image, in our own likeness. Wait, how many gods are there? One, but it says our. 
Here, right in Genesis, is sign how you pray every time, Todd. The, the three times I prayed with you already. Name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's the Trinity right here. But then it says, so God created mankind in his own image. Look how he made them. Read it with me. Male and female. He created them. God is and said, it is good. Let me make it clear. Human beings are created fundamentally different than any other being. And I believe it was the top of his creation. The top of his creation. Now, I love creation. And I, I, I got to go a little faster. I looked at the time. Okay. I love creation, but I break it down into two groups. I break it down into beach people and mountain people. Where are my beach people? Right? Like the water, the warmth. Why do you live in Alaska? Okay. But where are my mountain people? Yeah, they're always louder. <laughs> right? Whether you're hiking or climbing, you get to the top and you look. But how many of you want to raise your hand for both? Right? That's like, look at me. I'm a mountain guy, okay? But one of my favorite things to do is snorkel. So my wife and I just celebrated 33 years of marriage. We went to Hawaii in December, and it was so fun snorkeling, and I float really good. But the color of the fish, when I can't, when I can't go snorkeling, I love to go to aquariums. Been to so many aquariums in my life, but can I just show you a few fish? Like just God's creativity. Look at this. Like you talk about bullying. <laughs> you know, they go, fish live in schools. You know the first thing, you're like, hey, cheeks. <laughs> and this next one, you think you struggle with anxiety? <laughs> Pull yourself together. <laughs> this next one here. <laughs> Green Bob, he struggles with acne too, okay? But some are really colorful, and we call them designer fish. They got all the different colors. Now, I, I probably should have pulled this next picture out because I'm in Alaska, and you got salmon and all these awesome fish, and people don't usually like this fish up here, but down where I'm from, this is a northern pike. And I caught that 46 and a half inches, I'm just saying. Okay, <laughs> but I love fish. But did you ever look at God and go... Sometimes, I know he's God, all-knowing, but sometimes, like, why? Like, look at this. A platypus? Like, what was he thinking? Let's make another fish. Let's, no, let's make um, a duck. No, let's make a beaver. Let's put it all together. <laughs> Sucks to be you. <laughs> but I'm sorry. My own daughter, our oldest daughter, super girl, student council president in high school, prom queen, um, third in her class, everything's going good. She gets a scholarship even to Bethel University in Minneapolis, great school. She gets there and there's a lot of Victorians. There's a lot of gifted people and leaders. And she becomes average. And she starts struggling with her own identity. And I said, Amber, as a dad, right? Just be you. Just be you who God has made you to be. And she said, Dad, did you do that because I'm going to Bethel University? I'm like, what do you mean? That's our abbreviation, B-U, Bethel University. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not that smart. <laughs> well, that's pretty good. Now, my son, who is that smart, he graduated with, from SEM at, at Wheaton. He uh, designed a shirt. With, he had a girl in his youth group design a shirt. And he put a platypus on it. See the plaid? And it says, just be you. Um, what's your name? What is it? Katie, I'd like to give this to you. 
And I pray that you just be you, the person that God has made you beautiful outside and inside. Don't listen to this world. You listen to what God said is important. All right? I was just on tour with the Audio Adrenaline, and I gave the shirt like that to a younger girl, actually. And the dad came up afterwards and said, thank you so much. You don't know what that means. He said, why? He said, I know it doesn't seem like a big deal to you, but her pet gerbil just died less than a month ago. And she was so close, and there was tears. And you as a dad, comforting. And she said, Daddy, I want a new pet. And Dad said, I said, okay. She said, I want a platypus. (laughs) She said, why? I can't give you a platypus. I want a platypus. said, I think that's illegal. Well, I really want one. She said, so you give that shirt to my daughter. And my daughter came up after and said, God got me a platypus. (laughs) But my prayer is that every single person here and every person you meet, you'd let them know that it's okay to be you, that God has made you in his image. Here's just one more picture of a creation. Do you feel that? And that's just take with an iPhone 4. <laughs> but did you know that that's the way it's supposed to be when we look at people? Um, I'm not smart enough to memorize these, so please listen. C.S. Lewis said, If you saw what human beings were going to be, you'd be tempted to worship. For there are, listen, there are no ordinary people. Chuck Colson said this, Human dignity is orthodoxy. Let us never forget that our deepest principle governing the Western system of ethics is human dignity. It must be protected at all costs. That all human beings were created equal in God's image. Now listen to what he said. That didn't go over good with the Greeks or Romans who owned slaves and treated women as property. Please hear me. It always has been the word of God in God who is the forefront of human dignity. That's where it comes from. We need to stand there. Let me, let me go real quick. I'm, I'm more of a preacher than a teacher, but look through this later. The three ways that you're made in the image of God. Number one, rational. Like the all-knowing God says, come and let us reason together. We're self-aware. We can think. The second way, relational. First John chapter 4. God is what? Love. That's why in community, the triune God, he could give and receive. He did not create humans because he was lonely. He created humans because love always wants to give. Love always is on mission. Love always wants to do what? Give hope, healing, and wholeness. That's what this church is about. That's what God is about. And then the last one, though, is functional. He gave us a role. You have a role to play. And part of that is in, first, in Genesis where it says subdue, take care of creation, rule over it. But part of it is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, where it says you are God's ambassadors. You are God's ambassadors on the earth. Now, is an ambassador the king or the president of the country they represent? Yes or no? No, no, no. Are they the king or the president, the ambassador? No, they just represent the country to the other country. So if you're a Christian here today... Guess what your role is? You represent the king, the kingdom, to this world. That's why you're always on mission. Your job is to give a picture, an image of God. So here's my prayer for this church. Would you display the image of God? Would you show this world what God is like in your everyday life? But don't do this. Don't play God. Don't play God. What does that mean? Real quickly. 
I spoke at this junior high. There was this deaf boy in the school. Never went out for an extracurricular um, activity. Never went out for a sport. He was made fun of because when he tried to talk, he talked different. But he went out for wrestling after hearing our dignity talk that every person has a, has a purpose and has a plan for their life. In freshman year, he went out for, for wrestling. He made the team. Not only did he made the team, he made the varsity team. And the team started going to state. But I don't know if it was because he was a freshman and seniors didn't like him or because he was deaf, but they would pick on him. And they'd throw him in the middle of the shower. And the guys would get around and urinate on him. And a lot of us guys would say, well, just ignore it, it'll go away, right, son? Or fight back. But if today you fight back, hate doesn't cast out hate to start with, but then guess who gets in trouble? They do. They do. And so we finally went to the coach and told, and that's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength to tell somebody. And the coach put his arm around him and said, son, I'll take care of it. But this coach has been coaching for 20 years, and it was his first time on the way to state. And he knew if he reported it, guess what? Some of those guys would have to be taken off the team. So guess what the coach did? Nothing. A trophy was more important than the dignity of a human being. God help us to have our priorities in place when we really stand up for the value in the name of God first and then the dignity and the wholeness of people. You really want to advance the kingdom of God? Here's how we do it. Advance the kingdom of God by showing the dignity and the value of every single person. That's how we build the kingdom. That's how we advance it. But for the Bible teachers that are here, this is what I get at this point in my talk. Well, Bob, this sure is sounding like humanism. You're really, what, Bob, what about, what about depravity, right? Big church word. What about the sinfulness of mankind? Bob, even the Bible says in Jeremiah, says that a heart is wicked, deceitful. Who can understand it? There's no hope. There's no cure. Bob, think about how holy and pure God is, and then think of how sinful people are, okay? Think of ISIS. Think of the genocide. Think of the corruption even in the church. Think of this last year of politics. Think, if we're honest about our own hearts, even as believers, unless you guys have found perfection, I haven't been there yet. Let me ask you something. Do you think it's logical for such a holy, pure, perfect God to love such a sinful people? Yes or no? Okay, I'm hearing a lot of no's. Now, I get in some trouble with some theologians here. <laughs> but let me ask you, is it, does God love sinners? Yes. Is God logical? People say, well, God's wisdom. And no, there's only one wisdom. He is all-knowing. God said it's logical to love sinners. Should Christian love sinners? Does that mean we have to endorse what they do? No. We have value. There's only one thing that can take away our sin, right? We sing a song about it. What does it say? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So we know that there's only forgiveness at the cross. But we have dignity. Why? Because of two reasons. Number one, creation. Number two, the cross. Number one, creation. Number two, the cross. Why do we have dignity? Because of creation and the cross. Are we worthy of his love? No. Are we worth his love? Yes. And I, now there's not one theologian that can argue that. <laughs> 
Are we worthy of his love? Are we worth his love? Yes. Because what somebody is willing to pay for something is how much value that it has. And God has put the value on you and on every person of the death of himself on that cross who said, I love you this much. I don't understand antiques. I walk in, I see junk. And then I look at the price tag. I'm like, you're kidding me. They're like, I think that chair would look really nice in our house. It's nice and antique-ish. And I'm like, I sit on that chair, chair break, I fall down, hit ground. <laughs> but people love what it is. And therefore, that's the value. Okay, I grew up in Wisconsin, not quite as outdoors as Alaska, but I grew up being a hunter, and, and I, can, I know I can say that safely here. There's some big cities I can't even say that anymore, right? Now, and I understand, and I respect animals. I love animals, especially medium rare. <laughs> we, we need to take care and honor God's creation. But, like, remember the old days before this whole, and I, I love the recycling movement we need to do, take care of the earth, you know, creation care. But remember the old days when a car was old, you just, when you were done with it, you'd kind of put it out in the woods? So I'd go out hunting, I'd see these cars like this out in the woods. Now, sorry parents, but I'm one of those guys. If those windows weren't shot out, I would have shot them out. And if those tires weren't slashed, I had a big knife. And I would have popped those headlights and I would have then jumped on the car to make sure nothing was underneath. <clears throat> but just, just play with me for a minute. Like this car, the guy comes up to the owner, to the farmer and says, sir, I'll give you $2,000 for that car. And the guy's like, the farmer's like, it, it's not worth that. It's a pot. No, there's something fishy going on here. I don't, I don't trust you. No. And the guy says, $5,000. He goes, you got the money with you? Yes. He reaches down, he has $5,000. He goes, you're a lunatic, but that's $5,000. You got cash, I'll take it. He takes the money. And as if the car had a personality, the farmer walks up, just play with me a minute, walks up to the car and says, I don't care what he paid for you. I don't care what he says. I know what you really are. A piece of rust. Your windows are broke. You're rusted out. Your engine's dead. Your tires are slashed. Your headlights are gone. You are worthless piece of junk. And I hope for the rest of your existence, you realize that. And the farmer walks away and goes, why? Why did he pay $5,000 for a piece of junk? Can I tell you why? The guy knew the original design. It was a 57 Chevy. It could be restored, remodeled, remade. Look at this. That's the same car. Guess what it's worth now? So I have two questions in closing for you. Number one, how do you view yourself? That old piece of junk? Because of how others in the world has treated you? Because of the sins you've done? Or do you see yourself in Christ? Flawless. Somebody said, Bob, how do you want me to believe God loves me? That he's a good, good father when my own father abandoned me. 
How do you expect me to believe that God loves me and is committed to me when my own spouse left me for somebody else? One girl with cuts all over her arms said, how do you expect me to believe a God I can't see loves me when I can't even love myself? And I said, because it's true. You've been made in the image of God. And though we have sinned and are totally walked away from him, he said, I still see your dignity and I will take care of your depravity. And he died on the cross. My prayer for you in closing is this. Would you see yourself the way God sees you through the cross of Jesus Christ? For there's people in this congregation and you're here because you have hope in Christ, but you still need that second purpose of your mission statement. You still need healing from past wounds, healing from past lies that you believe inside that you can't be involved. You couldn't teach Sunday school. You can't be a leader. You can't be a minister. Yes, you can. And then God is calling us all into wholeness to be who you're created to be and recreated to be in him through his covenant to you. That's what we need to believe. And then what do we do? Join the revolution. Would you stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves? Can you stand up for those who are marginalized and outcast of our day? You can do it without endorsing. You can show the love of Christ. You can be there for him, for the people in the bush, for your neighbor, for the homeless. Um, Clara, who set this all up for Clara Stokerson, um, we went to the homeless shelter, spoke to 50 women, and got to bring this hope that no matter how you've been treated, you're still valuable. Father God, I pray that every person here would know your love. Created in your image, fallen, but bought back. And may they see their dignity. Believe who you are calling them to be. And then stand up for the value of every person. In Jesus' name, amen.